Welcome to The Learning Zone, the podcast that takes learning seriously, but not itself. We create the space to unlock human potential with an understanding of science, leadership development, and practical experience. Individuals, leaders, and organizations are facing unprecedented levels of change. So how are we growing, learning, and improving at the pace of it? We are Rob and Rob. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 13 of the Learning Zone podcast. As always, your hosts, Rob and Rob. Rob, how are you doing? What's news? Hey Rob, um, I'm loving our new background. Um, I think it's definitely appropriate based on Thank us you. having just um, welcomed spring into our lives. And I suppose with spring comes renewed hope, some color in our lives, some greenery coming back Jeez, into Johannesburg. Renew, renewed, <laughs> renewed hope, color in our lives. Yes, you've been in a dark place there, bud. That doesn't sound so great. <laughs> but yes, no, it is spring. A new season for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's be honest. We're coming out of our third wave in South Africa. To our international listeners, it's uh, it's been long. Um, the third wave, it's been pretty aggressive, this Delta variant. And I mm. think as our numbers start to come down and diminish and the country's getting vaccinated, it is feeling like a bit uh, like a new season. So I think it coincides with spring. Definitely. And uh, definitely a reason to have a spring in our steps. I mean, there is an impending lowering of restrictions for better or worse. Um, we were talking a little bit around some of the things I might do uh, with new opportunities to do more social things. Uh, what's top of mind for you, Rob, as uh, hopefully we have more relaxed restrictions? Uh, what are you going to get up to? Well, Rob, whilst we've elected to live in what many would deem the heartbeat of the South African economy, Johannesburg, um, Johannesburg has many positive aspects to it and, and things that we enjoy. But I think we can all attest to the fact that the South Africa as a country is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And maybe that's an inherent bias. But I think it would be for, by many, many international tourists who've been here before and many people who have experienced our diverse country that it is extremely beautiful. And so... For me, I think it's a case of just getting out of Joburg again, um, experiencing what our country has to offer. I've got a trip planned to Cape Town, uh, which is obviously special in many, many ways. And um, I'm then also heading to the Garden Route, which is on the kind of southwestern part of South Africa, the western part, coast of, of South Africa, and really, really beautiful on many, many fronts. So two trips coming up, um, which I'm looking forward to. How about you? Yeah, I think there's a lot to, I think a lot of people around the world are realizing the inner beauty of their country when they can't travel anywhere. And there is definitely a lot in South Africa. And I think with enough gratitude and perspective, every country has enough of its own local tourism to be grateful for. I'm actually debating, a friend of mine invited me on a cruise ship, um, some party cruise ship in December. And I was just having flashbacks to the beginning of COVID when, you know, COVID was so big in the world where that one cruise ship in the Caribbean had so much COVID, it had this, it was listed as a country on the world country statistics of COVID. So um, I I definitely probably won't go to a cruise ship uh, right after <laughs> lockdowns <laughs> has been lifted. But yeah, people are doing, but people, but people are doing it. They, people are selling tickets for things like cruise ships and parties and all that sort of stuff and uh, vaxxed or not, I think we have a long way, but it shows where a lot of people are going and I'm actually happy for those people in that industry as well because without those opportunities, they're not going to be earning money. So definitely a new season for them. 
Yeah, it seems like um, it seems when we look at our friends further afield in Europe coming out of their summer, uh, you know, you often in envy around Europe seemingly being open and people doing the things they would normally do in a, in a European summer holiday. You know, I've seen lots of pictures and friends sharing experiences where um, I've been quite envious. So long, long may we have that as as we move into our summer. Definitely. And, um, you know, it's interesting talking about such upbeat things to look forward to, to now zone into today's topic, which is something I've been quite passionate about for the last few months since I first saw the New York Times article uh, published a few months ago, and now the TED Talk published a few days ago. And that actually is something that, um, you know, a really well-respected professional in my field has coined called languishing. Uh, from the organizational psychologist, Dr. Adam Grant. And it makes it made us stop and think about it in a really important way. Languishing is really described as that neglected middle child of mental health. I'm a big mental health um, uh, advocate and practitioner, and there's a, a, a huge day coming up on Saturday that we'll get to in a bit. But languishing speaks to that sense of emptiness and stagnation. And it's really that understanding that if you're, you can also not be depressed, but also not be thriving just because you're not depressed rather. And just because you're not burnt out doesn't mean you're fired up. You're kind of meh, you're kind of in the middle. And that's really around having a foggy windshield and just muddling through life uh, where a lot of people have resonated with that topic in quite some time from celebrities to royalties since the article was published. And it was something that we want to double click on today, languishing that feeling of meh, that feeling of muddied or muddled water and not just not feeling fired up but also not burnt out just kind of in the middle robert i think it's so so poignant now and it's very very um topical in that i think we mentioned in in our last few episodes so many people that we're speaking to from a business standpoint and even individuals who who work within those businesses are struggling with holistic well-being and and trying to perform optimally in this uncertain and unpredictable world but we all trying to demonstrate worth we've spoken about people trying to prove um how good they are and outdo those around them that everyone's trying to also show up in ways that doesn't reflect who they where they really at and how they're actually feeling you know there's been a lot of talk around you've mentioned it a few times around toxic positivity and many, I think, in the South African mm. fold and, and further afield can can relate to that. We always want to make out like we're fine and we're good and we're doing exceptionally well. And when people ask us, how are we doing? We say, great, we've really had a great week and you know, lots been happening. But really, do we feel comfortable enough to to take heed of what's being asked? You know, how are you doing? And um share exactly where we're at. Um I think We've spoken about how being vulnerable and and being honest and candid about where you're at and where you are is also liberating in many ways. And the more you hold on to these things, the more they manifest and they spill over into us not behaving as well as we'd like, not believing in the things we want to believe in as much as we'd like, um, not having the right mindsets which inform the things we want to achieve. And so we really need to be conscious around when we're toxically positive should i say and 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 that's something i think we need to be conscious of and right now people are in that meh state that just going through the motions and going questioning and scrutinizing where am i what am i achieving am i being am i fulfilled in what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis 
And I think it speaks to what you mentioned in the last episode around this great resignation that's occurring. People are starting to scrutinize where they are and, and what, what's driving them mm. daily. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, like in, in psychology, we really are a scientific field of extremes. We study depression and suicide and we study thriving and flourishing. But there's that, you know, neglected middle child of just showing up. And just because it's not um, resulting in another person who could be a Steve Jobs or another person who may commit suicide doesn't mean it's worth understanding a bit more about. And that's really about languishing languishing that feeling of emptiness and stagnation um, and as you've just said we have a toxic pos positivity culture how are you well I'm doing great I'm doing good it's Monday I'm here to thrive but do we feel also psychologically safe to say when you're not doing okay and that's a big problem why a big reason why we have so many problems with regards to mental health as well is not normalizing the indifference. And indifference is important because another way that Adam Grant talks about it is an indifference to indifference. And it's that general apathy. And I've got to be careful because I know you are definitely much more positive than me. Um, I could, I like to think I'm a realist, but sometimes I think I'm a pessimist. Uh, and that's probably why we make a good combination because of your ability to see sunshine in a puddle but for me to think well the puddle's not very deep so not worth paying attention to but that apathy and indifference to indifference uh, really has a big effect on motivation and focus and that's where a lot of people are struggling right now I think a lot of our clients are still in that space around we're not really burnt out but we're not really fired up we're struggling with motivation we are struggling with focus. Um, and that's what's really amazing about some of the latest musings from Adam Grant in his latest TED Talk, where he talks to, you know, what is the answer to that? Because if stagnation is the problem with languishing, the answer is momentum. And momentum is something that we're going to talk about as we get to some of the uh, answers to ways that we've been experimenting about that uh, since we first heard about the topic. Rob, what you said there resonates with me because we need momentum in our lives to continually improve, evolve, and get better. And we spoke about in a previous episode um, the power of a growth mindset and how people who instill and embody a growth mindset aren't besotted with the outcome but with the incremental gains made over time. And it's around progress over perfection. You know, per perfection has been scrutinized as a, as a word in most senses and in, in the fact that it should never be used because no one can ever be perfect. And what's deemed perfect in some instances will then be surpassed over time by someone else or something new. So I think that progress and that ripple effect, we talk of it in, from a neuroscience standpoint as being an upward spiral. And we know the benefits of, of progress and, and continually looking to evolve what that does to us as humans. When we build that momentum, we have those upward spirals and we continually get better time and time again. We have this big release of dopamine and um, we know what that does for performance, for fulfillment, for engagement, um, for collaboration and for insight generation, uh, for, for innovative thinking and, and, and how we use the best parts of our brain. So... I think we've got to find ways to to help us not languish, as you said, and and how we we really become masterful and better in the things that we do. And it's interesting, Rob. You've you've talked a lot to a few things that we're going to dig into, but it's really summarized at, in one word: flow. 
when you're in the zone, you're in flow. Flow is a word from positive psychology um, made famous by a European psychologist that I will not try to pronounce his surname. I've tried many times and I completely butcher it. <laughs> it's got like 17 letters in his damn surname, but he really is a great guy. And um, he was the first psychologist to term the word flow and what it means to be in the zone. And it's really about being so totally absorbed in something that you can't manage the flow of time and yourself. And some of the best examples of that are when you're so involved in an activity that you forget to eat. You forget, um, you know, you can't hear people around you. I know you as an ultra performance athlete, you gave a lot of great examples of different golfers and F1 car drivers that um, are able to be in that flow state. But that is the real answer to languishing because languishing is that stagnation. Flow is that momentum. You're in the zone, you're making progress. Um, I, I, I gave the example to you when I first discovered it. I, um, in, a, in a past life, I used to live in Cancun, Mexico and coming back from about a year in Cuba and South America, I had all these amazing pictures and videos and I suddenly got into video editing and I'll never forget one time I came back after work and I started kind of getting, getting undressed or getting dressed into some home clothes and then I started just messing around on the computer video editing. Slowly but surely, three hours go by. I'm just in I'm just in half my clothes. I haven't got fully undressed and redressed yet. I was just so in the zone with this video editing and trying to get the perfect song to be creative, to create a moment of this time when I saw a whale shark, when I was I got really into the creative process that I wasn't even in my own body anymore and I'd lost track of time. I hadn't even ate in dinner and it was 8 p.m. And those flow states are a big part of the human condition. And as I was saying to you, probably my favorite thing about flow is that it's a naturally occurring biological function that every human has in the same way that our brains have a fight or flight response. And we know why we have a fight or flight response. It's for survival. It's to keep us safe. We've discussed that before. But the brain has a natural flow response when you're in the zone you lose track of time and of self you're so absorbed in an activity and you experience a dopamine hit and a reward and i was saying to you i found it amazing that we had that naturally occurring process in the brain and that's because we as humans need to tap into it in order to not only flourish but survive and lift us out of the the state of languishing that we may find ourselves in that's a great example, Rob. You know, when you when you speak of flow, you know, you've used sports analogies and sport resonates with me because, you know, some some of the, the, the races I've done or when I've, you know, even back to my school and university days when I played sport, I can remember very clearly what got me to that state of flow. And I think, you know, if you talk of performance psycholog psychologists like Jim Lu and the like is they talk about you know, your emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual um, kind of wellness, holistically speaking, coming together all at once. And that drives rituals which ultimately inform performance. And when I've been in flow, all of those things seem to come together seamlessly. You talk about how, as you say, you're not conscious of everything around you. You're not, um, you're not, you don't acknowledge that inner doubt or self-talk that's in your mind. You are intentionally focused on the end result and you know where you're going and why you're going there, what's driving you to get there, 
how it will make you feel, what the end result will feel like having completed it. And it's amazing. It's things just tick over, um, and and it's a it's a unique experience. Not it's, it's hard to find, but when you get it, you know you're there. And it's something that you know Adam Grant talks about being that secret source to unlock or kind of demuddy the muddled feeling that we have with stagnation. And um, and and the latest TED talk um, that he gave a few days ago, he unpacks it. But what's been interesting is I've been trying to do this since that article a few months earlier because I personally have been languishing. I, I definitely don't feel in flow. Um, you know, some days feel more like a slog than others. And I, I couldn't put my finger on it, really. And so I've been trying to embrace and experiment with some of the stuff. And what he talks about is really three ideas of mastery, mindfulness, and mattering. Mastery talks to the understanding of making progress and celebrating small wins. Mindfulness talks about being completely present and intentional with your time. And mattering talks to linking that activity to a higher purpose or a goal. He gives the great example of playing an online racing game with his family across the country that he wanted to really master and get good at playing Mario Kart. He wants to improve on that activity. He's really mindful in that moment in that he wants to be present and play the game and not be distracted by his cell phone. And it matters because he's playing his sister and his brother-in-law and all the kids are involved as well. And it's a great example of how being in flow doesn't have to be just in your work. And I've been experimenting with a few things myself. I have a little ukulele, a guitar. Um, I've been look. I've been. I actually paid for golf lessons now, and I'm getting into that as well. A thing to try to be a master of. I can always consistently be average. I lose about you know twenty twenty balls a um, a round. But have I ever thought about going for a golf lesson and getting into the mastery of it? And it's those natural states that create the dopamine hit. And I know, Rob, you experience a lot of that just naturally with your life outside of work as well. Um, I remember you, you, you sharing some of your progress for some of your upcoming races. And it definitely speaks to those levels of mastery, mindfulness, uh, and mattering. Yeah, I love those. Those are really three key things to get right. Uh, so you mitigate or limit your ability to languish. But I, I think one thing that stood out for me, it was a quote that you shared from from Adam Grant's article, and he mentioned very, very explicitly that, you know, fragmented attention is the enemy of engagement and excellence. And I think what we've experienced more so now than ever in trying to get into flow states is that, you know, there's so much happening in our world. There's so much change we're experiencing, and there's so much potential to be distracted in multiple ways. We've got the convergence of technologies you know, technologies evolving and changing in terms of how they're being used. I mean, if we look at MS Teams, you know, we often mail each other and go, Rob, when we're facilitating, have they just made another update? Because I'm not sure how this has worked or that's changed. Um, and the change is, is a constant. We, we're dealing with change on, on multiple levels. And what's happening more so now than ever in our ability to become exceptional in the things we want to be good at is we're not committing enough time to be able to be effective in those spaces. It's diminishing our ability to be excellent in them because we're learning or we're engaging with something new at a superficial level and not going into it in depth so that we become masterful, mm. as you said. And the only way we can get into a flow state so that we are masterful is prioritizing things and creating the time to do so. So I love that example that you used. I Also, something that I watched recently now, which is, 
from a really successful local South African bank called Capitec. And the CEO, Kheri Fari, you know, very simply just said, you know, what he attributes his success to was that they don't, they could say yes to a lot of things now having, you know, grown rapidly over the last five to 10 years, but they always catch themselves when they're about to commit to something new and, and, and say, why should we go there? Because it's going to take our attention away from the things that we do well. And he says, it's two simple things that have helped contribute to them being in that flow state and then being exceptional at what they do. And that's relentless focus and, you know, continually, um, you know, attributing or um, allocating resources to exceptional execution. So focus and execution there is key and, and they're not languishing at all. I think you can see the mm. fulfillment, the growth and, and the culture that they've created and how year on year, you know, they're growing at 150%. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that we talked about with mindfulness as the as the one third of that of, of that flow equation, right? And it's really about full attention. I mean, as you've said there with 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 Capitec and with with their amazing performance in the last in the last while, it's about being mindful, present, and intentional. And if there's one consistent thing, and there are a couple consistent things. But one of the ones that's really top of mind is we don't have enough time and we don't have enough focus time. Corporates are struggling across the board with blocking out meeting-free Mondays and creating that intentional time. And I actually just asked, asked you a little bit earlier when I said, you know, how often do you close your outlook in a day? You know, or do you keep your, like me, I keep my outlook open, my email browser open the entire day, and I respond to client emails as quickly as I can to show an expedience bias and a bias for action. And I, I, I used to be good at it. Um, I, um, I once went on time management training, I think as a graduate, and that was one of the tips, actually. They said, check your email two or three times a day. But that was before smartphones and before we had um, email clients on our phones as well, I guess. So it's not only about... Um, having your email closed during your working hours, but also, I guess, after hours as well. And that's a big thing about being intentional. You, you, you reference the time thing, and there was a lovely word that he used saying, we often have time confetti in a day. So we have like an hour, but it gets shredded up by our divided and unfocused attention, looking at our phones, responding to texts, I'm definitely on about 20 more WhatsApp groups than I should be. That should also be legally allowed, I think. <laughs> and how often do we, you know, turn off the rings, pings, and dings on our phones? Do we operate on a building a slide deck or building an Excel sheet for two hours and keep our outlook off? I think that's a real interesting thing for me that I think um, a lot of people are struggling with right now. I love that, the, the attention confetti example, Rob. I think... That there couldn't be a more apt expression. It needs no description. And I think that's what Adam Grant's so great at is he's able to re take some, to some extent, complicated or complex, you know, um, analogies or examples or, or, or poignant topics he wants to get across and make them really relatable and easily understood. I, I love that about what he does. But I think one thing that I also mentioned to you, which links to that too, is that is, you know, I, I, I get frustrated with people who, who do this, but I do it myself all the time and I have to keep reminding myself is that you have individuals who share a perspective, whether it's in a social context at a family barbecue or at a social engagement with friends who 
seem to have a strong positioning statement or a strong view or opinion on something, but you actually realize going back to what they've shared that they actually haven't really delved deeply into what they've shared. They've got a superficial or high level understanding of it. And I think what we found in in the last 18 months is there's a lot of focus and intention around being um, in flow and not being distracted and learning. But I think what we've also established is that the return on learning has been very poor. People are not really going deep into what it is that they want to be exceptional at, that they want to master and what they are learning. So then it becomes, you have a very generalist kind of view of most things. And I think I've mentioned to you that that's been one of my challenges is I'm becoming a generalist because I'm skim reading and scanning over so many different things all at once. But am I masterful in some of those things? And the irony is we have more access to learning and education freely available on the internet than we've ever had, but we still have a lack of mastery. And I think, you know, that's that's a definitely a topic we'll have for a whole separate episode, but it's something worth acknowledging um, and also provides an opportunity for people right now to think about if they are languishing or if they want to get into a flow state, what of the multitude of topics that are freely available could they get into? Could they get into to make progress on, be intentional on, and something that matters to them? And I think those are really three things worth remembering around mastery, mindfulness, and mattering. If we're going to move out of this stagnation and into a, a flow of momentum, uh, which I think is so important for a lot of people, especially as we change seasons right now. Um, Rob, I, I, I just think for our listeners, they every time you say them, I think how they relate to me, maybe just in finishing um, and wrapping up the episode, just explain very briefly again what mattering mastery and mindfulness does in terms of achieving um, or overcoming a, a languished state. Well, mastery is really around valuing progress over time. And you saw a lot of people really getting into that with making their own sourdough at home, people taking up crochet and musical instruments. It's about trying to have an activity to be better at and have small wins of progress, not becoming an Olympic crochet person, if that exists, but finding an activity you can improve upon and see the progress with small wins over time because we don't really have a lot of big wins right now. We're not really flourishing. We're not burnt out, but what are the small incremental wins? Mindfulness is about focused attention and being present in the activity at hand, not trying to do e-learning when you're on your cell phone, not trying to be involved in another activity when your attention is split, but it's about really setting those boundaries and being mindful and present. And then the last piece is figuring out from a mattering perspective, how does this matter to me and how does this matter to the greater good? And one of the best ways to do that is to really think about who is the person that benefits from this activity and what's their name? What do they look like? And once you start really thinking deeply about that, you really get into that space of building personal significance. One great example from this is actually gardening. I read a, an amazing piece around the difference between running indoors, running outdoors, and they suddenly got into a kind of like the like science of gardening. And gardening is about making progress over time, planting roses, trimming, 
getting insecticides to get the aphids or the insects off, trying to grow a bush or a flower in a certain way. When you are doing the act of gardening itself, because you would potter around every weekend or every other day in the evening, trimming a bush here and there, you're mindful. You probably put your gloves on, you've got your gardening clothes on, you're present because that's the only thing you can do. You can't be trimming a rose bush by looking at your phone, and if you are, you're going to make a mistake. And then the last piece is however you define gardening for you, but it often is quite purposeful for people in that you can show off your garden to your visitors. It's something you've created. It can be your identity. It can be your source of expression. It can be something that the whole friends and family can enjoy. And that's why this article I was looking at was saying how gardeners are the most happy people because by engaging in that activity, they are building progress and mastery. They're mindful and present and they're doing something that matters to them. Thanks, Rob. I think a really good summary and synopsis of it. So um, I really enjoyed this episode and I'm hoping our listeners derive and extract a lot of value from it too. And I think we'll be doing a lot more around it because um, like grief was one of the most search, search words or grief altogether was something that was um, spoken about a lot in 2020. I think languishing is becoming a very popular word um, in 2021. And I think it's something that we are still trying to solve for. Rob, it's always a pleasure, never a chore. Everyone, goodbye for now. Ciao, everyone.